0: Welcome to Roadside,
1: where we talk about the fascinating and sometimes disturbing history behind roadside attractions and unique destinations. Hello!
0: Hello! Welcome to a very special episode of Roadside, because this is our very first ever part two. Whoop, 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 whoop. I'm very excited about this one.
1: Yes, it's very exciting. She called me yesterday. Just to tell me how excited she was about it.
0: I did, yes. (laughs) I'll, I'll get into why it's exciting later, but first, how are you, Mom? I am
1: great. Been good. organizing my office, which was a complete disaster, and trying to get everything off the ground and off my desk and organized so I can use it. Yeah. So for those that don't know... I don't think I've ever mentioned this before, actually. <laughs> my career, because we've talked about you being a server, but.
0: It's so fun.
1: <laughs> I do payroll and HR, and I have my own company, do have clients that I do payroll and HR for. So. She's actually have... really
0: good. So she's making it sound like it's just like normal, but she's actually really good. So. <laughs>
1: Well, I've I've been in the industry. I mean, for... having
0: your own like having your own business is like the coolest thing in the whole world. Well, it is and it's when very that's exciting. like what you want to do, and like you do it all on your own. And I and I get to work from home, which is yeah, awesome. Being the a thing... true girl boss,
1: absolutely. <laughs> but my office has been such a mess lately that I've been working from the dining room table, and I also do a lot of. Uh, craft projects. So I have a cricket and I do all vinyl and then I do painting and all kinds of stuff.
0: Yeah. So like I said, she's girl <laughs> boss.
1: I do all of that in my tiny office, which used to be Abigail's old bedroom.
0: <laughs> it did. Yeah. Back in the day.
1: But it's been a mess. And so now I'm getting it all organized so I can actually sit. I'm actually in my office today, so I don't have to sit somewhere on the floor or on my bed or elsewhere to record. I have it all set up in my office now.
0: Well, that's okay. I'm I'm sitting on my bed just in my pink fluffy robe. Although now I am at the front of the
1: house, so I'm hoping that there's no traffic noise because I'm usually in the back of the house. But I'm not going to get traffic like you do, that's for sure.
0: Oh, no. I live on a, a busy street, unfortunately. Every time a car passes, I can see the noise pop up on my laptop. Yes. It's it's super fun for mom to edit out.
1: Super duper fun. Which is why sometimes it takes me so long to edit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But hey, in May I will be moving to a new place and it is not on a main road. It's actually very far from any main roads. And in the
1: meantime, hopefully we'll get some new patrons. Yeah. And we can afford to buy uh we can afford to buy noise cancelling headphones.
0: Yes, that would be so great. That would be
1: fabulous. I would be... Absolutely fabulous. ...static over that.
0: I would, too. So, hey, if you want to join our Patreon...
1: Yes, please. Do that. You'll get bonus episodes.
0: Yeah, we have some actually pretty fun bonus episodes, so you're missing out if you don't.
1: And then there's also a bunch of other stuff. You can get some... Merch? Some unique merch that nobody else gets except for yeah. patrons. Join our special club. So you can go to our website, roadside podcast.com and there is a button for Patreon. Oh gosh, I'm
0: sorry if you just heard that my cat just jumped up onto her tree.
1: I didn't uh-huh. hear it, but I'm sure the microphone did.
0: Yeah, her collar likes to jingle.
1: Yeah, I've I often when I'm editing, I do hear her little bells or whatever it is. Yeah.
0: She's a crazy little girl. But anyway, go sort to of-
1: Go to roadsidepodcast.com. There's our Patreon button right on the front page. You can go from there. You can go to our TikTok, which is Roadside Podcast. You can go to our Instagram, which is Roadside Pod. Facebook, Roadside Podcast. Or email us at roadsidepod at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, do it.
1: All of the above. she said. Tick all the boxes off.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We'd love you forever.
1: And then... You can also go to audible.com slash roadside. Heck yeah. And get 30 days free if you're new to Audible and to help support us
0: even more. Yeah, do that. I
1: actually want to, I got to talk about this author that I've been following on TikTok.
0: What author? I need
1: to know. Her name's Geneva Rose. Have you heard of her? I don't think so. No. Oh, and I just realized my th- my furnace was on, so that's probably going to be noisy. Yep, it's okay. Anyway, um, yeah, her name's Geneva Rose, and she she's written a few books, but one of the books that she wrote that I just started listening to on Audible is called The Perfect Marriage, and hmm. it is so I I've not finished with the book, so no spoilers if anybody's no spoilers. read it. But a couple things. So I just want to kind of give you a rundown of what this book is about because as soon as I tell you, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's definitely a, a book that mom would like.
0: Okay. I'm ready. Okay.
1: So basically, this uh, this book is about a couple and the woman – and I'm not giving anything away because, I, like I said, I barely started it. This is literally like what's on the cover jacket, except I'm summarizing it. So there's this married couple and the lady is like a successful – the lady is a successful Little, little little. that. The lady's uh, a... Why can't I speak? The lady... <laughs> the, the woman is a successful attorney. And her husband is struggling a struggling author. Ah. So she works all the time and he doesn't. And then he ends up having an affair.
0: <gasps> that bitch.
1: Right? The fuck? But then he gets accused of... Of murdering his mistress.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: So that's where it lies. Is like she's trying to discover should she defend, as an attorney, defend her husband against murder when he cheated on her.
0: No. Right? That's me. Asshole. I would say no.
1: But the funny thing is, which this this book, it's called The Perfect Marriage, as I said, by Geneva Rose. It's available on Audible, so if you want to listen to it go to audible.com slash roadside, but also follow Geneva Rose on TikTok, because she is freaking hilarious. Really? (laughs) She has this, this um, fan, I guess, or non fan named Scott, who like emails her multiple times telling her how terrible her book is. (laughs) But it's almost become like this running joke. And so she talks Mm -hmm. about She talks about him and then like her and her husband, her husband's name is Drew and her and her husband do like silly things on there too. But like her TikTok, she will talk straight to the camera. So serious, but everything is like a joke. So just, (laughs) it's like that deadpan,
0: just dry humor,
1: but she's, she's fun. And so I, I just started listening to that book because I started listening to that audiobook because I saw her on TikTok. And now I was like, oh, that's thriller. That's totally my kind of book. And totally. Hopefully it's Very good. much so. And then... Yeah, um, let me know what you think. I will. I will. And then I will go and, if I really like it, listen to her other audio books too.
0: Cool. It sounds super interesting. Sounds yeah. like something I would want to read. Yeah,
1: I think I'm only on like chapter two right now. So really not far at all. I was just excited to talk about it. <laughs>
0: yeah it sounds exciting it sounds like a sounds like it could be like a cool movie too
1: oh maybe actually i want to say i saw that i thought that it was being hold on i gotta look that up because i (laughs) thought i really did i thought it was being what do they say looked at or whatever to become a a movie oh okay oh yeah it says the perfect marriage Perfect Marriage, Altar Bound with Patrick, somebody, Washburgers, Picture Perfect Federation, and Zurich Avenue. And it says, oh, cool. it doesn't have like a release or anything, but it looks like looks like it might be a movie. That's exciting. Yeah.
0: All right. Cool. Cool.
1: Oh, so anything up with you?
0: No. All right. <laughs> life, life, life is pretty much the same. I work. And then I come home Mm -hmm. and then I go back to work.
1: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And that's
0: it. I mean, I hang out with my friends and stuff occasionally, which shout out friends. I love you guys. But most of the time, it's just pretty average. Just kind of doing the same thing over and over again, which isn't necessarily a bad thing to me. I like my little routine.
1: I mean, sometimes it's nice to just have a regular routine and not be stressed about Mm -hmm. stuff or running around like crazy, you know?
0: Yeah. I like my job. I like my friends. I like my house. I like my cat. I like my boyfriend. Good. So, yeah. Life is good. I'm kind of vibing. Yeah, I'm having a good time. Nice. That's awesome. But you know what I'm really excited for?
1: I'm guessing that you're going to be excited to tell us about Alcatraz Part 2.
0: I am. Yes. Very (laughs) excited. All right. So I keep... Whenever... This is kind of funny. Whenever I've been researching... Um, And talking about Alcatraz, I keep wanting to call it Azkaban. That's funny. (laughs) All the time. I call it Azkaban in my head all the time. And I have to like correct myself because I know that I'm going to say Azkaban on the podcast. And then it's going to be like a disaster. So it's Alcatraz. Correct me if I get it wrong.
1: Do you know by any chance if Azkaban was based on Alcatraz?
0: I mean, I feel like it is. They're both... Maximum security prisons on an island in the middle of the ocean. Okay. They both start with A, and they both have a Z in the name. Yeah. Which is unusual. I bet I feel like is. that's... it. I bet it is. I wouldn't be surprised. So, today, we are going to be talking about two more famous inmates. Last time, I said that I would also be talking about some escape attempts and some other stuff about Alcatraz, but if I did that, this would have been like a three-hour episode. So, I already have... 13 pages of notes (laughs) just for this. So this is, I think, going to become like a series type thing uh, where we might have a part three later on down the line, but I'm just going to kind of go with it because I do want to talk about Alcatraz escape attempts and whenever they close down and stuff like that. But I don't have time to do that in this episode. So I think there will be a part three eventually down the line, but I don't want to do it one right after the other because I feel like that might get a little boring. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I'm not going to leave anybody on a cliffhanger, so don't worry.
1: Yes, I'm sure there are people that love love all the history behind Alcatraz and would love to hear it all back to back. But we gotta put in some other things. We got things. other stuff so we'll, to do. We'll yeah. come back to it.
0: We got other places to look at.
1: Fun fact, though, I just looked it up. You did. Yeah. So it's rolling. I think rolling, rolling
0: like bowling.
1: Okay, so Rowling reveals something that may not be widely known. She says that Azkaban, the prison fortress on an island in the North Sea, was directly inspired by Alcatraz.
0: Knew it. I'm so sorry. The word,
1: <laughs> the name Azkaban is inspired by the Hebrew word ab- ab- Abaddon, meaning place of destruction or depths of hell. And Ooh. the, yeah, and so the word Azkaban is a mashed-up version of Alcatraz and Abaddon.
0: Huh? Yeah,
1: interesting. There you go. Nice fun fact.
0: Yeah, that is a little fun fact. So it's not,
1: you know, so far from your thoughts when you want to say Azkaban.
0: (laughs) It it, it just it keeps clicking in my brain. Yeah. But we are not talking about Azkaban. We are talking about Alcatraz. The first famous inmate that we are going to be talking about is the Birdman of Alcatraz. I feel like I've heard this. His name is Robert Franklin Stroud. Okay. He's pretty pretty famous, pretty popular. Okay. Robert Stroud was born on January 28th, very close Ooh, to your birthday. Very close. 1890, not very close to your birthday.
1: Not very close at all. No. (laughs)
0: Um, And his parents were Benjamin and Elizabeth Stroud, and he was born in Seattle, Washington. Robert had a younger brother and two older half-sisters from their mom's previous marriage. Their home life uh, was not great. Mm -hmm. Their father, Benjamin, was an alcoholic and an abuser who liked to take his rage out on his children. Great. Super great. Great. And at the age of only 13, Robert ran away from home.
1: Aww.
0: He ran away as a result of the abuse because he just didn't want to do it anymore. And as far as we can tell, he kind of just drifted around for a few years. But there's not a lot known about what happened between the ages of 13 and 18. Because nobody kind of really knows where he was. He was just kind of drifting. Yeah. Yeah. But when he was 18, he moved to Alaska, where he worked on building railroads. And because of this, him and his co-workers moved around a lot, and he eventually ended up in the town of Cordova in Alaska. Here he met a lovely lady. Her name was Kitty O'Brien. She was a dancer and occasionally a sex worker. Not much is really known about the relationship between the two of them, but Stroud started acting as her pimp. Hmm. So we don't really know if there was like a romantic relationship between them, but that's what they were doing. Okay. So soon after he started working for her, or she started working for him, Stroud and Kitty moved to Juneau, Alaska, because it was like a booming town due to the gold rush at the time. So while they were in Juneau, the two met a bartender named Charlie Van Dahmer, and Charlie became a customer of Kitty's.
1: I'm immediately turned off by his name.
0: Yeah. So... (laughs) After his interaction with Kitty, they, you know, did their thing, Charlie refused to pay. So once Stroud found this out, he went right to Charlie's home and waited for him to return. Mm -mm. When Charlie came home, he was met with Stroud and his thirty-eight caliber pistol. Mm -hmm. Stroud shot Charlie in the heart and then stole all the money from his wallet. Mm. After this, though, Stroud turned himself in. Oh. He didn't run away. He turned himself right in. And his mom managed to get him a pretty good lawyer. I think him and his mother kept in pretty good contact after he left. So, she got him a good lawyer and they were able to take the death penalty off the table by pleading guilty to manslaughter. On August 23rd, 1909, Stroud was convicted and sentenced to a maximum of 12 years to be served at McNeil Island in Washington State. Hmm. And... Stroud didn't know this, but he would never live outside prison again. Oh. Yeah. And at this point he was nineteen.
1: Oh, okay.
0: While he was at McNeil, Stroud gained a reputation for being quite angry and violent. At one time, McNeil at one time at while he was at McNeil, Stroud attacked a hospital orderly who had reported him for trying to steal narcotics. So he attacked the hospital orderly. In another incident, he fought and stabbed another inmate who reported Stroud for stealing food. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's not funny, but it's
0: like...
1: Stealing food, murder, like, the penalty doesn't really match the...
0: No, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So, these two incidents earned Stroud another six months added to his sentence. Um, That's it? Yeah. That's it. Well, he stabbed the person, but he didn't kill them, I don't think.
1: Oh, okay. I mean, okay. Still,
0: still not great, but, you know. Right. Yes. And after this, he would be moved to Leavenworth, Kansas, to the prison in... Soon after this, he would be moved to the Leavenworth, Kansas prison, uh, which would be his... I don't... My brain is going all over the place. Anyways, restarting. <laughs> okay. Soon he would be moved to the Leavenworth, Kansas prison, which was still new at the time, and he was moved in 1912. He was moved because of the attacks and the constant complaints from guards and inmates saying that he was just too hostile to handle. And even when he was in Leavenworth, he was still pretty violent and disruptive. And due to this, he was refused a visit with his brother in 1916. So this was the first time that his brother was coming to visit him And because of Stroud's bad behavior, they weren't going to let him see him. Mm. Once Stroud found out that he was refused this visit and he wouldn't get to see his brother, he lashed out at a guard named Andrew Turner. He began yelling at the guard um, and just kind of like verbally berating him, which caused him to lose the rest of his visiting rights, obviously. Yeah. So he wouldn't get any visiting rights whatsoever. And to get payback, Stroud stabbed Turner, the guard, oh, to death oh, in the prison's mess hall in front of thousands of other inmates. <gasps> oh, shit. Yes. So it was very, like, there was no denying that he had done this. Right. So because of this, Stroud was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to death by hanging. Oh. His mother did everything that she could to stop the hanging and even went as far to go to the Supreme Court. Hmm. The Supreme Court did not help her. They were like, "Mm, no. (laughs) So she went farther up the ladder to the President of the United States, which at the time was Woodrow Wilson. Okay. And she wanted to ask Woodrow Wilson if he could grant her son clemency. However, President Wilson was bedridden at the time because he had just had a stroke. The President's wife, Edith Wilson, the First Lady was handling a lot of his responsibilities. So Edith Wilson and Stroud's mother actually met in person to discuss the executive clemency. And eventually the First Lady was able to stop the execution eight days before it was to take place. But he was sentenced to stay in prison for the rest of his life. He was never going to get out. Hmm. Stroud was placed in isolation while he was in Leavenworth and most of his privileges were taken away. So far... Not great. No, I would say not. <laughs> no. He has attacked three people while he's been in prison. He killed someone to get him into prison. You know, he was getting involved in sex work, which is was illegal, and he was just not looking great at the time. Yeah. Like I said, he was in isolation, and he wasn't really allowed to talk or visit with anybody else. And in June of 1920, he was taking his solitary walk around the exercise yard, and he found a nest on the ground that had been blown out of a tree, a bird's nest. Okay. And in the nest, he found three live baby sparrows. Oh. He's not He's not doing anything bad, don't worry. Okay, okay. Stroud decided that he was going to nurse them back to health. He brought them inside and began to take care of them in his cell, and that's how he received the name Birdman. Mm. His interest in birds grew and he began to study all kinds of birds. Um, he would read about them, he would care for them, and eventually he was allowed to breed canaries in his cell. Wow. Yes, and all of this I think was done like in isolation. So he did a lot of research, he began to develop remedies for sicknesses, um, he even started to sell canaries to people that would visit the prison. But he had to stop selling them in 1931 when it became illegal for inmates to conduct for-profit enterprises from prison. So even though he couldn't sell the birds any longer, he was still allowed to study them. He was sent research equipment so that he could continue his studies in prison, which is kind of crazy, like, to get this research equipment in prison so that he could continue studying birds, even though he was in prison for two murders. Have you seen the movie Shawshank Redemption? Of course I've seen the movie Shawshank Redemption. I've watched it with you like three times. Okay. You know, it's (laughs) my favorite. Yes.
1: (laughs) But I'm just like picturing like, you know, when Andy Dufresne got his, all his library materials and Mm -hmm. and then I'm picturing Brooks and his, his crow Jake, you know, so. Yeah. Go ahead. Maybe that's
0: kind of where that came from. You never know. (laughs) Maybe. Who knows? So, whenever any of his birds would die, he would dissect them to learn more about their sicknesses, and Hmm. eventually, he wrote a 60,000-word manuscript called Diseases of Canaries. Really? And he actually did a lot of really good research and became known as, like, a renowned ornithologist. His research really helped with, you know, bird health in general, I guess. I don't know a lot about birds, so I don't know. I don't
1: either, but that's... That's he actually crazy. did a lot
0: of good in that scientific community, but the Leavenworth prison officials were not that happy about Shroud <laughs> and his bird obsession, and they did everything in their power to get him transferred to Alcatraz. Basically, they just wanted him, they they just didn't want him to, like, have anything. Yeah. Which I totally get. <laughs> I mean, he yeah. took two people's lives, so understand. But Stroud kept finding loophole after loophole in the law to keep himself out of Alcatraz. But eventually, he slipped up. And the prison officials finally discovered what they needed to send him away. Uh Uh-oh. Remember that research equipment? Uh Uh-huh. They found out that he was using this research equipment to make moonshine. Oh, really? (laughs) And shivs that he would sell to the other inmates.
1: What is shivs?
0: Makeshift... Knives in prison, basically. Oh. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, that's probably not yeah. good. No. So <laughs> they found that out and they were like, okay, we can finally get this guy to Alcatraz. So on December 15th, 1942, Stroud was awoken early in the morning. Had no prior warning of this. And he said, "You ha-, they said, you have 10 minutes to get ready. And then we're leaving to take you to Alcatraz.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He was not allowed to bring any of his personal belongings. He wasn't allowed to bring anything at all. So his brother eventually came back and collected all of his personal belongings. The rules at Alcatraz were obviously much more strict, and Stroud was no longer allowed to keep birds. Even though his nickname was the Birdman of Alcatraz, he never had birds while he was at Alcatraz.
1: Oh, that's That just kind of became, yeah, a thing. Yeah.
0: He did continue to study from books and eventually wrote another one of his own called Looking Outward, A History of the U.S. Prison System from Colonial Times to the Formation of the Bureau of Prisons. Hmm. Very long title, but that was a book that he wrote.
1: I mean, it sounds like he was an intelligent man.
0: Yes, he was.
1: Just, you know, a piece of shit, but...
0: Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) So he wrote this book about the history of the U.S. prison system and, you know, what it's like being inside prison. And he really wanted to get this book published, but he had to go through the Federal Bureau of Prisons to, you know, get their approval, basically. Yeah. But when the director of the Federal Bureau of Prisons read his book, he was like, you absolutely cannot publish this. Not allowed. Denied. Because this book named multiple wardens and guards and all the illegal actions that they did in prison. Oh. Such as taking bribes from prisoners. Yeah. Beating prisoners. Yeah. <gasps> and it, this book apparently also contained some uh, graphic sexual content. Oh, Jesus. The Bureau of Prisons was like, no, no thanks. Yeah. You know, I just, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that it was very brave of him to write that. Yeah. And to send it to the director. But he should have known that was never going to happen.
1: Yeah, you would think.
0: So, Stroud filed a lawsuit about this because he wanted to get his book published. But unfortunately, unfortunately, he died, basically, before the decision could be reached. Going back a little bit. For the first six years of his stay in Alcatraz, he was kept in the segregation block, basically just to be kept away from other prisoners, Kind of like isolation, but not as intense, I guess. And for the last 11 years of his stay on the island, he spent in the hospital wing because he was starting to get sick. Hmm. While he was at Alcatraz, he continued writing letters to the Supreme Court and the president looking for anyone who would help him get released. But nobody was going to help him with that. Yeah. He tried to attempt suicide at one point by taking Hmm. pain meds, but he did not take enough to be... Uh, successful, I guess. I don't I don't know if I like calling it successful, but you know. No. And in nineteen fifty nine Stroud was moved to a minimum security prison hospital in Springfield, Missouri. Oh Yeah great. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? What year was um, that? 1959.
1: Oh, I wasn't alive yet.
0: No, neither was I actually so
1: <laughs> Really? That's weird. No. You
0: weren't alive before me? You know, I might have been in a past life.
1: True, you could have been.
0: You but you've been was, the birdman of
1: Alcatraz.
0: I really hope I wasn't. <laughs> uh, that don't even Oh no. No.
1: Anyways, no we're moving
0: no, Just on. kidding. <laughs> so he was moved to this prison or this prison hospital in Springfield, Missouri, because of his failing health. And this is actually where Stroud watched a TV program for the first time. Oh. Which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. Just I mean Imagine what it was like to watch TV for the first time. Like before yeah. it even existed. Right. Not knowing, you know, that that would just be kind of crazy. Yeah. He was able to have a lot more freedom. He was able to walk around the grounds and interact with people. And he said that he saw more people and spoke more words in the last couple years he was in Springfield than he did in the last 4 years he was in Alcatraz.
1: Oh, that doesn't surprise me.
0: Yeah. So Robert Stroud was eventually became one of the country's most infamous criminals. There was already books about him and a movie in the works at the time of his death, and he passed at the hospital in Springfield from natural causes on November 21st, 1963. And this would have actually been a huge deal, because, like I said, he was one of the most infamous criminals. Everybody knew the Birdman of Alcatraz, you know? Yeah. When he died, it would have been... All over the news. Everybody would have known about it. Yeah. However, the day after his death was the assassination of President Kennedy. Oh, so he he got kind of pushed to the back burner.
1: No, I mean,
0: so not very many people heard of his passing. I mean, you know, when you go with uh, who's going to be who's going to be more popular in the news—the death of the president or the death right. of this criminal—you know, right? So that's the Birdman. All right, not the best. <laughs> Just saying. Not a stellar human being. Not stellar. He did do some good things for the bird community, I guess. Right. But overall, not the best person. So next, we are going to be talking about Roy Gardner. Okay. Also known as America's Last Great Train Bandit. Oh. Yes. This one was super, super interesting to read and research about. Roy G. Gardner. Was born on January 5th, 1884 in Trenton, Missouri.
1: Oh, okay.
0: But he was raised in Colorado Springs. He was very attractive, said to be very charming, and he had curly I don't know, auburn I just looked hair. at a
1: picture of him. I don't know that he was very attractive.
0: Oh, well, this is just what was said about <laughs> Well, him.
1: I would say the picture that I'm looking at of him is probably when he's older. Ah, this was, so... we're going to start
0: kind of when he was younger and go... From there. Okay. So whenever he was younger, he was supposed to be attractive. He had curly auburn hair and blue eyes. And he spent most of his younger years kind of drifting, as did uh, the Birdman, basically. Uh, Not much is really known about his home life. I couldn't really find anything about his family or his younger years or anything. But when he was a little older and left the house... He drifted around the southwest United States working as a miner. Miner as in, like, mining coal. Right. And he actually joined the army at one point because he wanted to escape a life of crime that he kind of knew was coming. Hmm. But he didn't last very long. And by 1906, he ended up in Mexico. Hmm. Here he became a professional gun runner. Oh,
1: okay. Where
0: he smuggled guns and ammo in the Mexican Revolution. Lovely. Lovely. Eventually, he was captured by a rival army and sentenced to death by firing squad. Oh. I think at this point, uh, what was this, 1909? So he was, I i don't know how old he was. I can't do math in my brain. But he was born in <laughs> 1884. He was that old. He was born when? 1884. All right. So he would have been 25. 25. He was 25. Okay. Sorry, guys. I have number dyslexia. He was. This was when he was sentenced to death by firing squad in Mexico, but he broke out of the Mexico City jail on mm. March twenty ninth, nineteen o nine, by attacking the guards. Great. Yes. Yeah, so he he escaped the jail, attacked the guards, and he left. And this is what he would become known for: escaping. That's it. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> oh, so, got
1: it. Okay. Got after it.
0: leaving Mexico. He came back to the Southwest United States, where he actually became a prize fighter, like a boxer. And he was so good at this that he became a sparring partner for J.J. Jeffries, who was a super famous boxer at the time. Eventually, uh, Gardner moved to San Francisco, and he gambled away all his boxing money. Great. So, you know, he was—he started going up, went to the army, and then he went down, and he got arrested in Mexico, and then he went back up, and became a prize fighter, and then he went back down and gambled away all his money. <laughs> So he's really just kind of all over the place. Yeah. Once he realized he had no money, he decided that he was going to rob a jewelry store on Market Street. Uh, He was not successful and he was arrested and sent to San Quentin. But he was paroled early for saving a guard's life during a violent riot at the prison. Like I said, he just keeps going up and down and up and down. (laughs) And after he left San Quentin, he got a job as a welder. He got married and they had a daughter. And it seemed like he was really turning it around by 1918. He even started his own welding business. He was doing very well for himself and his family. But then he took a business trip to Tijuana, where he again gambled all of his money away. Mm -hmm. And then on April 16th, 1920, Gardner decided, hey, why don't I rob this mail train? Oh, geez. So he robbed a mail train outside of San Diego and got away with $80,000.
1: Holy shit.
0: Yeah. What year? 1920.
1: Damn. All right. How much
0: is that? I don't know. Are you looking it up?
1: Yeah, I'll look it up.
0: He was on the run for three days before he was caught trying to bury his stolen money. Hold on a second. 19 what? 1920. 1920. $80,000. $1.17 $1.17 million? Yes. Are you kidding? No. Oh my God. Yeah. Bro. It's a lot of fucking money to get on a train. So he stole that much money. Yeah. And then three days later, he was caught trying to bury all of it. Oh my
1: God. Can you imagine trying to bury one? I mean, 80000 but yeah.
0: Can you imagine trying to bury even $80,000? I know. Uh, ridiculous. <sighs> Gardner was sentenced to 25 years at McNeil Island Federal Prison, the same prison that the Birdman went to.
1: Okay.
0: He vowed that he would never serve this sentence. He just would never.
1: He would never. He said no. He said no. I'm I'm not doing that.
0: He said, no, thank you. I'm good. (laughs) He was transported- If it were only that easy. (laughs) I know, right? So on June 5th, 1920, he was transported via train by two deputy U.S. marshals.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, Let's put
1: the train robber on a train.
0: Well- You know, back then, I think that was probably what all they could do.
1: Probably. You're right.
0: So while these three men, Gardner and the two deputy marshals, were on the train, they were on their way to the prison, and Gardner pointed out the window and he said, oh my god, look at that deer. What? So the U.S. Marshals looked, and they were like, oh my god, a deer? What? And then he grabbed one of their guns. Are you fucking kidding me? He played that trick? He did, and it worked. He grabbed one of their guns, disarmed the other at gunpoint, handcuffed both of them, stole $200, and then jumped off the train outside of Portland. (laughs) He said he wasn't serving it, okay? He said he he wasn't going to do it. He was serious. He knew what he was doing. (laughs) Like, imagine being one of those U.S. Marshals. Yeah, yeah, like, that's the... like, Isn't is that, like, the, the oldest trick in fired. the book? Yes. Fired immediately. Oh, look over there. It's a deer. I don't know if they were actually fired immediately, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, I am just picturing
1: right now that whole scene I'm picturing as, like, the Three Stooges.
0: Yeah. Like, but, it like, whenever you picture it, it's, like, the classic train robber movie. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, this is who he was. It's like this... Like the silent movies. Yes, exactly. He's just
1: like pointing and they all look and then there's like all this commotion and he ties them together.
0: <laughs> yes, he literally took both of their guns and handcuffed them. Uh, then stole $200 from them. That's crazy. Anyways, so he jumped off the train outside of Portland, Oregon and made his way to Canada. Hmm. He actually returned to the U.S. only a year later and started going across the country robbing banks and mail trains. Oh, all right. On March 19th, 2020...
1: 2021. <laughs> wow, he's old.
0: 1921. <laughs> he robbed a mail train of $187,000. Holy shit. Yeah, he's getting bigger and bigger.
1: I gotta look it up. I have gotta to know look this. 1921? Yep,
0: 1921.
1: $187,000. Oh, this is gonna be a
0: lot. That's gonna be a big one. 3000000 3 million dollars. He just hopped Damn. on a train, took 3 million dollars, peaced out.
1: Right? Man, if I got 3 million dollars, I think I'd be hiding out for a while, but it sounds like he was kind of greedy.
0: Yeah, he 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 really was. I don't know okay. where all that money was going. Probably gambling.
1: True, yeah.
0: But after this there was a $5,000 reward put on his head. Hmm. So everybody was looking for him. Everybody knew what he looked like. There was posters everywhere. And he was caught three days later in a pool hall playing cards.
1: Oh, jeez! Yeah, so, gambling. So, yes, gambling.
0: <laughs> he was sentenced to another 25 years at McNeil Island, so 50 years now. And at this time, this time when he was being transported, he was very heavily shackled. And he even had the Oregon boot shackled to his ankle, which is like a really heavy iron shackle attached to your ankle. Look up hmm. a picture of it. It's kind of crazy looking. Yeah,
1: I'm going to look it up right now. Okay, Oregon, Oregon boot. Oregon boot. Oh, that looks lovely.
0: Yes, so he had one of those. Okay. This time, he was transported by two actual U.S. Marshals, not the deputies, and they were known to be the best of the best, very fast shooters. So during the journey, Gardner asked if he could use the bathroom. No, oh, no. And I guess nobody was like, yeah, I'll go with you. They just let him go to the bathroom. Shh. And stood outside the door. But in the same bathroom, a friend of Gardner's had been in there before and hidden a pistol.
1: Oh, jeez.
0: In the same bathroom. So he came out with the pistol. He pointed it at the marshals and ordered another prisoner to handcuff the two marshals together. Oh, my God. He then took their weapons and hopped on another train. (laughs) So this is three times he has escaped prison now. This is like a silent movie comedy. Like it really I, is. I,
1: I can just picture this all in my
0: head, and we're just laughing at how stupid these marshals are. Like seriously, you know that this guy has escaped prison two other times, right? You like, I don't care if you have to sure, watch him go pee. to the
1: bathroom. Exactly. Go watch him pee.
0: Like, okay. Anyways. <laughs> So, again, he was on the run, and the biggest manhunt in Pacific Coast history began. Everybody was looking for him again. Everybody knew what he looked like. He was everywhere. He made it to Centralia, Washington, where he stayed at the Oxford Hotel. And he knew that he was gonna get recognized. So what did he do? He covered his entire face with bandages.
1: Oh, my lord.
0: Except for one eye. (laughs) I mean, I guess it works. One slit where his eye was. And he told the hotel staff that he had been burned in an industrial accident. Aww. And people <laughs> believed it for a little while. Ah. Yeah. But the staff became quite suspicious of him when they saw a firearm in his hotel. So they called in Officer Lewis Sonny, who accused him of being the Smiling Bandit, which was <laughs> another one of his many names. There were all kinds of names going around for this guy. I don't know why the Smiling Bandit was one of them. Uh, Who knows? Who knows? But Gardner fought back and was eventually arrested, and they had a doctor come in to remove his bandages and revealed him to be Roy Gardner, and he did not have any kind of burns on his face. (laughs) So he was sentenced to another 25 years. So now he's at 75 years.
1: (sighs) Which he has yet to serve one.
0: No, not even. Nope, nothing. (laughs) So he was, again, very heavily ironed and successfully transported to McNeil Island. Okay. It didn't last very long. Okay. (laughs) During the six weeks that he was there, six weeks that he was at McNeil Island. That's all. He He was only there six weeks. Six weeks. um, And while he was there, he befriended two other inmates. Okay. Their names were Lowardus Bogart. All right. And Everett Impin. All right. And he convinced them that he had paid off the tower guards so that if they escaped, they would not shoot. Oh, boy. Yes. Oh, Freya has made an appearance. She's here to listen to the story and probably walk all over my computer. Yep, yeah, don't do that.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, don't do that, Freya.
0: So on September 5th, 1921, there was a prison baseball game. Okay. And during the fifth inning, Someone hit a fly ball into center field and Gardner said, now nah, to his companions, Ugh. very dramatically. And while all the guards had their eyes on the ball and the player, the three men, the three men ran 300 yards to the high barbed wire fence where Gardner cut an opening. Oh. And then they ran to the pasture behind the fence and the tower guards began shooting, obviously. He had uh, not obviously. paid off the guards. Yeah. Uh, Gardner was hit in the left leg, but he made it behind a herd of cattle where he hid out for a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Bogart was shot down, very badly wounded, and Impin was shot dead. Oh. His dying words were, quote, Gardner told us those fellows in the tower couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, end quote.
1: Oh, gosh.
0: So this is when Bogart realized... That Gardner had used him and Impin as decoys so that he could escape. Yeah. He wanted the attention to be on them instead of him. So the guards searched all the beaches, confiscated every boat, Imp, but they could not find Gardner. This is an island, remember? Gardner right. was hiding out in one of the prison's barns, actually. Stop scratching me. I know it's dinner time, but you can wait. <laughs> She likes dinner early. I was going to say,
1: it's kind of early for dinner.
0: I know. She's a ridiculous girl. So he was living in one of the, hiding out in one of the prison's barns and living off of cow's milk. Hmm. Eventually, he swam off the island to another island called Fox Island, where he lived off of fruit from the orchards. Okay. Everything about this story just sounds too unreal to be true. (laughs) Like, he's hiding behind these cows while the guards are shooting at him. Right. And now he's hiding in the barn, drinking some cow's milk. And now he's hiding on a different island, drinking, eating fruit from the orchard. <laughs> this guy is just crazy. The warden, though, was convinced that Gardner was still on McNeil Island. But Gardner was actually already on his way to Oregon. And when he got there, he sent a letter to the Seattle newspaper taunting the warden and the guards, saying, Come and get me. Oh
1: my gosh.
0: Like, isn't that the most ridiculous thing? Right. None of this sounds true. Like, it all sounds like like something Hollywood? that you would make up for a movie that would yeah. never happen in real life. But this all happened. So Gardner was now the most wanted criminal in the United States. He was on the run again, and he committed several crimes again and was eventually captured during another mail train robbery in Phoenix. Okay. He received another twenty-five years, so now he's at a hundred <laughs> years. <at> 100. <laughs> and he was transferred to Leavenworth, the same prison again that the Birdman was at. And he said, okay. quote, Leavenworth will never hold me. Mm. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> a few years later, Gardner was transferred to Atlanta Federal Prison, which was known to be one of the toughest prisons at the time. He did try to escape Atlanta prison in 1926 by digging a tunnel under the wall, and oh. then again by sawing the bars in the shoe shop, but he was unsuccessful both times. Okay. The next year, he led a prison break, holding three guards hostage with two revolvers. Who knows where he got oh them?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. I don't know.
0: The heck? This escape attempt also failed, and he was placed in solitary confinement for 20 months for shooting at an officer. Oh. That
1: was a long yeah. time.
0: I know, to be alone by yourself. Yeah. Oof. After being released from solitary, he was placed in a mental hospital in 1929 in Washington, D.C. Because the warden at Atlanta said Gardner was, quote, the most dangerous inmate in the history of Atlanta prison. Hmm. And he didn't want him anywhere near the prison. Yeah. This year he started a hunger strike. Wow. Well. And threatened suicide. He said, I'm not going to eat anything. I don't know why. That's not going to help him. Everyone else is probably like, okay. (laughs) Go for it, buddy. So, he moved around to a couple different prisons before he eventually landed in Alcatraz in 1934. Gardner described Alcatraz himself as the toughest, hardest place in the world. Mm. While he was in Alcatraz, his wife finally divorced him and severed all ties. Just you waited that long? Yeah. Damn, girl. It was rumored that he planned an escape attempt with another prisoner named Ralph Rowe while he was in Alcatraz. And Ralph Rowe later attempted this escape, actually. Gardner did not join him, but Ralph Rowe attempted this escape with a different inmate, and he drowned in the rocky waters of the San Francisco Bay.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: And believe it or not, this has all been crazy. All of this has been one of the wildest stories I've ever told. Yeah. (laughs) But this part... Oh, boy. June 7th, 1938, he was released. What? His appeal for clemency was approved. Why? I don't know. And I could never find why. I looked so hard. I have no idea. But he was released as at 54 years old. So he he had a
1: 100-year sentence, and he served, uh-huh. what, 12?
0: Yeah. Not very many. Wow. Absolutely ridiculous. And so after he left the prison system, Gardner published his autobiography called Hellcatraz. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Dun dun dun. And this book discussed Gardner and his life of crime, what it was like to be on the inside of Alcatraz, and some of the famous inmates that he lived with there. There was actually an attempt to make a movie based on this book, but it was very unsuccessful. And after that, Gardner's life just spiraled. He kind of just, he was alone. He wasn't doing anything with his life and just didn't want to do it anymore. So January 10th, 1940, the police found Roy Gardner dead at age 56 in his hotel room at Hotel Governor in San Francisco. He died by suicide from cyanide and tear gas fumes.
1: Oh, God.
0: He, like, made his own little concoction of chemicals, I guess, and breathed in the fumes. That sounds awful. I saw from one source, I don't know how true this is, he did write, I know for sure that he wrote quite a few notes that he left in his hotel room um, about, like, his dying wishes and how he wanted his body disposed of and all that. And he also wrote a note to leave his daughter's name out of anything mentioning him. He just wanted to give her a fresh start and break all the negative connotations that he figured would follow her around. Well, that's good. And I also saw, so this is the thing that I'm not sure about. Just one source said that he left a note on the door of his hotel room, like facing out towards the hall that said something like, do not come in poisonous gas. Hmm. Like, letting people know, don't come in here unless you're wearing, like, a gas mask or something.
1: Right. So, at least he was... was,
0: At least, I guess he was trying to do better. I don't know.
1: Right. Like, didn't want to take anybody else's life. Right. Just his own. Just Um, his own. Which I commend him for in in that case, just because when you hear these stories of people going in and shooting other people.
0: Yeah. And
1: then themselves... That just infuriates me.
0: Yeah, it's unnecessary. But like I said, he also wrote that he did not want his daughter to be involved in anything. And I did not see his daughter's name or his wife's name in any sources or anything. I don't know who they are. So I hope Hmm. that they lived happy lives and were able to stay far away from his influence. But that's what I have
1: for Alshaz
0: Part 2. Nice. And what a wild ride it was.
1: Yes, it was.
0: <laughs> that is, I think this has been one of my favorite episodes so far. Yeah, that was this good. Has, that it's was been en- very fun to tell the story. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully you guys thought it was entertaining as well.
1: Yeah, hopefully. All
0: right. All right, that's
1: it. Well, thank you.
0: You're welcome. And I'm sure you will be hearing from me about Alcatraz some other time very soon. Yes. We have a guest coming up in a
1: very near future episode
0: heck yeah we do cool i'm excited about that our first guest yeah yeah me too so there you go yay all right cool we hope that you keep finding the thrill in the mysterious yes thanks for listening we love you all peace out goodbye
1: bye